This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 116 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we're going to be going farther back into the beginning than we ever have gone before. We are dealing with Cesar and the Flood and the Flood is that flood. But first, I want to give a big welcome to all new and any returning listeners. Please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to get in touch. It's the best place to follow me. Or if you really want to join the community of Fireside, please do join Headstuff Plus. And I'm very excited that I have recorded a brand new bonus episode for listeners of Headstuff Plus. Uh, I was commissioned to do a piece about St. Patrick and about the customs, the myths, the legends all surrounding St. Patrick and St. Patrick's Day Festival. And I'm really happy with it. It's a nice mixture of song and traditional Irish music. And I talk about, you know, all of the various, I debunk things like Patrick coming to Ireland to banish all of the snakes. I talk about the significance of the shamrock. And yes, I even talk about the leprechaun. So all of that is over on Headstuff Plus as a brand new St. Patrick's Day special. Because this episode will come out on St. Patrick's Day. So if you're listening to it today, happy St. Patrick's Day. Be sure to drink a pint of Guinness, have a glass of Jemison or Bushmills, whatever your poison of choice is. Read some Joyce, listen to some Clancy Brothers. Wherever you are in the world and wherever you are from in the world, you St. Patrick's Day is that widespread that it is yours. And this is the day that everyone gets to be a little bit Irish. But for the story for this week is uh, I am still recording. This is still the gorilla setup of the podcast, as I'm sure you can tell by the audio quality. Although I'm hoping the audio will be slightly better than it was last week. I recorded in a bathroom last week, would you believe, with kind of mattress covers around to try and uh, soften the sound but I think the sound was still quite thin which I think was because of the more ceramic nature of the bathroom I thought the bathroom would be quieter so I've just attempted to record it in a more warm softer environment but just tried to quieten the room around me I will be able to stop being so mysterious and tell you where the bard is on the road by next week when I've settled once again but I'm just keeping it hush at the moment I'm keeping the head down but still keeping the output of the podcast the story for this week this might come as a surprise to you because we've never really del- delved with this. We have talked so much about the Tuatha de Danann and we have treated the arrival of the Tuatha de Danann as the beginning of Irish mythology because for all intents and purposes, it is. 
you know, the Tuatidanan and the Gaels are what nearly all of the stories are about, but not in any mythological cycle, but in a very controversial book called The Taking of the Island of Ireland, also known as The Book of Invasions, which I have spoken about a bit. There is a huge amount of discussion. That book is very specifically written by Christian scribes as a way of connecting the mythology of Ireland with Christianity, a way of bridging the gap to convert more of the pagan Irish. And in this book, it talks about how the Tuatha Danann were actually the fifth race to inhabit the island of Ireland. And it just so happened in my research recently, I found the story of Ireland's original inhabitant. And that is a story that is almost biblical, because in a way it is biblical. It's not from the Bible, but it is a story of the Bible. And we'll get down to it, we'll chat to it a bit more afterwards, but this is the story of Cesar and the Flood on Fireside. Cesar and the Flood The Toa de Danon could easily be viewed as the founders of the island of Ireland. They did make the island what it is today, and all roads always seemed to lead back to them. They were ousted and forced underground by the Gaels, our mortal ancestors. And each one of us today is said to either be a descendant of the Gaels or of the Toa de Danon. But the people of the goddess Danu were far from the first inhabitants of this island. In fact, they were the fifth. Before the Gaels, before the Tuadidanan, before the Fearbolag and Formorians, there was nothing. Or rather, there was no one. No one lived on the island of Era. When the earth formed and flooded and cooled and froze and thawed, there was a koala-shaped island in the eastern Atlantic Ocean with no owner. The one who had changed that was a young woman named Cesar. In ancient Egypt, the god Yahweh sent his voice, the Metatron, to a righteous old man named Noah. Yahweh was sending a flood to wipe out all of the wicked and sinful of the world. Noah, as the only righteous man in Egypt, was tasked with preserving the animal life of the planet. He would build a giant ark to carry two of every animal. But what people Noah brought on board was up to Noah. The old man invited all of his own children, except for one. Noah's third son was named Bith, and he was a thief involved with gangs of hustlers with his friends Ladra and Finton MacBokra. Basically, if the world was to end tomorrow, Bith would be the one leading the rioting and looting today. Because of their divilment and their desire to have a good time, Noah forbade Bith from coming on board the ark. Noah condemned his own son. To drown. But Bith had his own family, and when his daughter Cesar found out that they were destined to drown, she abandoned faith in the god Yahweh and began searching for guidance from other idols. One night Cesar had a prophetic dream of a tiny, rainy, windy island unpopulated by man. Cesar concluded that if the island was free from man, 
it was thus free from sin. Perhaps this island would be spared from the flood. So Cesar looked to Noah and said, Screw that lad, I'm going to build my own ark. And build her own ark she did. And not just one either. Cesar built three arks. Take that, Noah. Each ark was boarded with fifty women of a variety of crafts and skills. It was as if Cesar wanted to create a new Amazonian nation. The only men that were allowed to come on board were Cesar's father, Biff, and his compatriots. Ladra is the best pilot, her father had told Cesar. And as for Fintan MacBogra, he has incredible magic and wisdom way beyond his years. Cesar took pity on her father, even though he was the very reason she had not been allowed on board Noah's Ark. Then again, Cesar resented Noah, her own grandfather, and Noah's God for punishing a daughter for her father's crimes. So if saving her father's life was another insult to Noah, Cesar was more than happy to do it. The three arks set sail up the Nile. They would get a head start on the flood. With Ladra piloting the head ark, they braved the open Mediterranean Sea. But once they found themselves drifted into the Adriatic, Cesar's arks were in the domain and faced the wrath of Poseidon, the Greek god of the sea. Much like Odysseus later on, Cesar and her followers were caught in storms and cyclones and felt caught between Scylla and Charybdis. Cesar's ark escaped the god's wrath, but the other two arks and one hundred of the overall one hundred and fifty women drowned in the Greek waters. Finally, the ark made it to the Atlantic, and they came in sight of a southern rocky island later known as Skellig Michael. Initially, Cesar thought that this was the island they were bound for. She thought she had been had by her mysterious idol who had sent her this prophetic dream. But then, the fertile greenery came into sight. They landed on what today is known as Bantry Bay in County Cork. As their leader, Cesar was the first human to ever set foot on the island that would one day be called Ireland. The first man was Fintan MacBocra, whom Cesar had fallen in love with over the course of the voyage. They had married each other at sea and now would lead their people together. All disembarked the ark. All survivors were fit and healthy with the exception of Ladra, the pilot. While navigating Poseidon's treacherous waters, Ladra had taken an oar to the side. It had cut him open, and it was a wound that had not quite healed. The 54 original inhabitants of this island, Cesar, the 50 women, and the three men, set up three separate camps. Very quickly the issue was raised of repopulation. Perhaps Cesar hadn't thought of this when she was selecting her 150 best women, that they would also need men to survive, if nothing else, just for their rudimentary biological function. Or perhaps Cesar always did have this in mind, and this is why she had permitted three men to come on board. Three men, fifty women, 
it was time for some maths. As Bith was the oldest of the three men, and thus not as virile and rigorous as he had once been, he was only given sixteen wives. Ladra and Fintan Mokbokra each had seventeen. Naturally, Cesar was Fintan's main wife, and if she was honest, she wanted her love all to herself. But she was also not naive, and wanted to give her new island the best chance it had. Unfortunately, the lads were not up to the overwhelming task. Bith was old and weak even by the time they had landed on the island, and so once he became involved in a marriage with sixteen partners, he very quickly died. Bith was the first person to die on Irish soil. Also, Ladra's wound never healed, and he soon succumbed to it. So it all fell to Fintan MacBokra, one man with fifty wives. And Fintan was not old, or injured, or weak. He was a strong, young, wise man. But he was also only one mortal man. I need rest, he would say. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak and bruised. Mea culpa. When his labour became too much, Fenton MacBokra ran away, up into the mountains, and disappeared forever. Cesar was devastated, and she died of a broken heart. Then came the flood. Cesar's hope did not come to fruition. Her beloved new island was not spared, and the flood drowned Era back beneath the wave. All fifty of the surviving women drowned, with the exception of one, a warrior woman named Banba. Could this have been the same Banba, the sovereignty goddess? Perhaps her sisters survived too, Fola and Eru, the three goddesses for whom the island is named. These three goddesses that predate even the Tuatha de Danann. They are older than the gods. They are as old as the island itself. Some even think that Cesar herself was Eru, and that she is not as forgotten as we might think. But whatever happened to Fintan MacBokra? The night before the great flood came, Fintan was in his cave, and he had a dream that he became a salmon. When he awoke and saw the mounting waves, Fintan found he could, in fact, turn into a salmon. And he did. Fintan MacBokra became a salmon. He lived as a fish for three hundred years, learning all of the submerged waterways of the island. It may be no coincidence that this mysterious sage turned into a salmon, the very creature associated with all knowledge and wisdom in Ireland. The Tua de Danon would plant the hazel tree, and the salmon that would eat of the hazel nuts would become the salmon of knowledge. But these could all be descendant of that original shapeshifter, Fintan MacBokra. When the floods finally receded, Fintan had a dream that he was a hawk, and the next morning, he became a bird of prey. He remained in the skies over Ireland, surveying and learning all there was to know about this island he had been brought to. 
Fenton MacPocra lived for over 5,000 years. He saw every landing of the Fearbullock of the Tua de Danon. He actually fought on the side of the Fearbullock in the first battle of Moitara. He lived right up until the time of Fionn the Cool, always advising in the shadows like a shape-shifting Sith Lord. It is when Fintan MacBogra was in his hawk form that he saw the second landing of this island, a great Greek giant named Partholon. To be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. This is What Would You Do If? The podcast to answer all of your What Would You Do If? questions. It's Callum and Jess here, and every week we look at how we'd handle different situations. Before finding out what you should do if you're in them. So far we've looked at... What would you do if you saw someone stealing? A bear attacked you. The baby started choking. You were stuck in a lift. You can hear those episodes and loads more on headstuffpodcast.com with a new one every Monday. And that is the story of Cesar and the Flood on Fireside, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, in in what we've been doing on Fireside over the past few months, which, as I've been saying, has been filling in the patchwork quilt of Irish mythology, filling in the gaps that we missed on our first sweep through Irish mythology in the first 50, 60 episodes. It's about when we finished our first covering of The Four Cycles. But I wanted to fill in every gap that I missed and revisit each of the stories with what we know now. Those that have been listening since the beginning, I hope, are feeling what I'm feeling when we revisit the Second Battle of Moitora through Brigid. Or, you know, we, we talk about the Second Battle of Moitora through the story of the Dagda's Harp. It's revisiting familiar ter- territory or discovering what other gods were present in the Fenian and Ulster cycles and just seeing how it is this interconnected tapestry, this this Celtic spiral, this Celtic knot, that it is all the one story, it is all the one patchwork quilt. And so, since the beginning, I've always had this niggling issue with the fact that we had began the story of Fireside at the beginning, for all intents and purposes, which is the landing of the Tua de Danon, because they are the central figures of all Irish mythology, but they weren't the first people to inhabit the island of Ireland. That duty goes to Cesar, but until recently I'd never really seen this whole story of Cesar's arrival. I knew that the first person to land on the island of Ireland was supposed to be a granddaughter of Noah, and that everyone was to have drowned but I never realised there was a tale to it and I never realised that not everyone drowned and that is where we encounter, first of all, Banba, which is such a specific name it seems impossible to resist the suspicion 
that Banba is of Erafolan Banba, the Trinity sovereignty goddess of the Ar- of the island of Ireland, that Erafolan Banba do predate the Tua de Danon. Because it also has to be said that this story was finessed and manipulated for its position in the book of invasions. But this story has to have predated it as well. This This story clearly and certainly is suspected of originating in pagan belief, that this was a story of oral tradition that was manipulated for the purposes of the Book of Invasions later on. And you don't need to look any further than that than Fintan MacBokra. Fintan MacBokra, who is, yes, as I said, kind of this Sith Lord, he's kind of like this Emperor Palpatine working the strings from the shadows. And I'm sure he is one now that we will encounter again. And I found a couple of other stories of Fintan MacBokra as he goes right up to the Fenian cycle. He he serves at the court of, I think it's Conkobar MacNessa. Uh, no, sorry, not Conkobar MacNessa. Cormac MacArt uh, is about when he dies at the age of 5,000. So while I initially thought that the initial four or five landings there are three or four landings on Ireland were ultimately without consequence because it seemed that everyone died each time and that the Tua de Danon was the real first landing. This isn't the case at all. There are the seeds planted there. And it also was interesting to finally tackle Christian doctrine head on in a story. This is the first time that we have had a story, a character literally from the Bible. We have like the book of Exodus. We have met Noah and we met the Christian God as an antagonist in this story. Noah, who every Western child grows up seeing pictures of, you know, of this happy... I had bedsheets of of Noah, listeners. I had bedsheets of Noah. They were actually my brother's passed down to me then. I think he still has them. Of a happy old... A uh, white bearded man in like red welly boots gathering two of every animal. It's it's this image every Western child has of the two of every animal. But we never see Noah from the perspective of who he doomed to drown in God's flood. And it should be pointed out, Bith is not a character in the Bible. He is not a son of Noah in the Bible, but he is in the, the book of invasion. So Cesar to my knowledge, and certainly from what I read, isn't a biblical character. She was created for the purposes of explaining, connecting ancient Egypt and connecting the flood with Ireland. I suppose, if nothing else, to address what happened to Ireland during the flood, and if there was anyone here before the flood, and if there was anyone here after the flood. But then we get Fintan MacBokra, which is just very funny to have a man with the single most Irish-sounding name possible. Fintan MacBokra, that's B-O-F-A-C-H-R-A, to have a character called Fintan MacBokra in ancient Egypt. You know, because you have Noah, and even Cesar and Bith, which are quite Celtic names, you're not you're not questioning them quite as much because they're you know they're like Sarah or Seth you know more uh, more traditional biblical names but Fintan MacBokra no that is an Irish man that is a Paddy name right there and he occupies the role as this great shape shifting sage and he is what proves if nothing else he is not a character from the Bible there's nothing biblical about there's nothing Old Testament about the story of Fintan MacBokra shape shifting into a hawk and into a salmon. 
And that is, if anything else, if nothing else, proof, I think, that this is a story that predates its existence in the Book of Invasions, that this is a story from the oral tradition. We also have, I love, I love this, you know, I've said before that one of my favorite aspects of Irish mythology is it is a maternal mythology that the the head of the mythology is Danu, you know, that it is a mother goddess, that we are a maternal nation at heart. And even to this day, Irish men and Irish women are always have this great value for the Irish mother. And the mother is the head of the household. It's one of my favourite things about Ireland, as much as we still have so much of a ways to go in terms of gender equality and the total disenfranchisement of gender and just acknowledging the illusion of gender. But in Irish mythology, you have very strong warrior women and very strong Irish goddess figures even though I was very disappointed to discover through Mark Williams and Irish Immortals that uh, Danu is a later addition to the pantheon than was originally thought but I love this concept that it was a woman who was the first uh, on this island of Ireland and particularly that she was just this that she just boarded the arcs with 150 women and no men and that the only reason the three men got on board is her taking pity on her father and trying to get one up on Noah that it was it was like Cesar yeah was trying to start this new nation of Amazonians of these warrior women I love that and it 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 ties in very nicely with the idea of Erafol and Banba the sovereignty goddesses and of Danu and of Bridget it means that it's still even even through the lens of a very patriarchal historically quite misogynistic and sexist framework that the Bible is and that religion brings with it, that there still is this very maternal and matriarchal lens that comes through, through Cesar. And I love her for that. And that's why it's very exciting to be embarking now in these new little sequence of tales because I'm hoping to... Uh, there are a couple of other stories about Fintan Macbokra. I'm excited to talk about Partholon as well, this Greek giant, because it was also really nice for me as someone who was introduced to myth world mythologies through Greek mythology, and that was what instilled in me a love of storytelling and the Greek... My love for Greek mythology predates my love of Irish mythology because I didn't grow up in a house with Irish mythology, it was my love, as I've said many times, my love of Greek mythology, and then my eventual desire to learn more about my own culture's mythology that led to my my coming home to the world of my own culture's mythology. But it was a great pleasure for me to even just have that cameo of Poseidon and in the Adriatic with the Odyssey and Scylla and Charybdis, and now our next invite, our next invader or our next occupier of the island of Ireland is a Greek giant. So we have the opportunity as well to dip our toe into the world of ancient Greek mythology. Because even though Stephen Fry and Robert Graves and countless, countless writers have done better and more authentic adaptations of the Greek myths than I ever could, they will always be what feels like home to me and always be what my earliest memories of storytelling were through this book in the Wicklow Town Library called Atticus the Storytellers, 100 Greek Myths. I'll always remember the cover of it. And 
So it'll be very, very nice to revisit that and also to explore more of these stories of this shape-shifting hawk-salmon creature, Fintan McBokra. Exciting times ahead. And with that, I will wrap things up. It's brought us up nice at time. I've been thinking that these episodes were going to be shorter or possibly too short because I've been trying to re- record them, not in a rush, but just unconscious of not having the same level of audio fidelity that I would in the, my new normal beefy beefy condenser mic but i'm still using road equipment which is my my go-to and my favorite stuff and i hope the standard isn't too bad for you i think this one is sounding like it's warmer than it was last week i'll know in the edit anyway but next week we have another folk tale a story called the 12 wild geese a story i discovered back in kind of the early days and i kind of forgotten about it uh, but it is another story that shares immense similarities with the Brothers Grimm. It is another one of those stories that does it predate the Grimm? Is it an adaptation of the Grimm? Is it all a coincidence? Is it another example of the monomyth and the mono folk tale? Uh, it is in in the Brothers Grimm. It is a story called the Twelve Brothers, but the Irish version is called the Twelve Wild Geese, and I'm very excited to share it with you. That will be next week. Um, please do follow me over on Fireside over on Instagram at Fireside Bard if you want to reach out and say hello it's the best place to get in touch please do join Headstuff Plus to join the Fireside community if you want to support this podcast for as little as 5 euro a month and gain access to a brand new bonus episode all around the myth and culture of St. Patrick and St. Patrick's Day Uh, thanks to Alan, Paddy and Connor and everyone over at Headstuff thank you so much for listening I'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside this show is part of the Headstuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.